0: From the studios of KZSU at Stanford University, this is What Would Your Mother Say? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Susan Morris. With me in the studio tonight are two moms, Susan Esterley and Lolly Font, and Stanford students, Sam, Laura, Ida, Lauren, and Bill. We have a terrific show tonight. Over the next hour, we'll look at new ways to reach out to friends, our latest edition of a 60-second story about a mom, and this week's emails from listeners. We begin tonight's show with a look at choosing the right career. Here on the phone with us is our guest, Marty Nemco, a nationally syndicated columnist and talk show host. Marty is the author of numerous books and articles on career issues, as well as a multitude of other work-related subjects. Marty, welcome to What Would Your Mother Say? I to be with you. What is the hardest part
1: of choosing a career? Well, because there is no certitude. You know, it is not like, you know, when electrons, they, they react predictably and they react definitively. With a career, it's not like there really is one nirvana out there. And there is no certitude, and you can't figure it out in advance. What happens is, if you filled a room with 100 people who were passionate about their career, 90% of them would not have been passionate about it when they first chose it. It's only when they got into it, felt a sense of accomplishment, became the go-to guy or go-to woman around that career, that the passion came. So you're ending up making this huge life decision, or at least decision for a number of years of your life, based on very, very incomplete information.
0: Well, let's say you've got lots of talent, which these students at this table do, and lots of interest. Where do you even start to look at what
1: you want to do? You're absolutely right when talking about when you're dealing with kids who are really bright, Stanford-caliber kids do have more options, so they're not locked into, oh, well, what is my best skill? You know, there are some people who are less capable than Stanford students who are forced into, you know, they're just, basically, they're really good with their hands or they're really good number crunchers or they're really good with words. But in general, Stanford students are relatively strong in everything. They may have relative strengths, So they have the luxury of being able to use preference. And the best way to do that is not, from where I sit, the conventional advice, you know, identify your skills, your interests, your values, your personality, and, you know, (laughs) take the Myers-Briggs and the Strong-Campbell and all will come clear. I think the smartest thing for for Stanford-level students to do is to look at the long lists of careers. It enables, for example, in the Occupational Outlook Handbook, or in my U.S. News and World Report Top 30 Careers, or my book Cool Careers for Dummies, which has profiles of 500 careers, and simply screen out careers based on a gut feeling for starters because they're bright enough to be able to probably succeed at all of them. It's the one that they're more driven toward that is the one that will likely be the wisest choice.
2: Well, I'm going to turn over the questions, and Laura has a question. Yeah. Hi, Marty. Um, I'm a you know, Stanford senior, and I'm studying entrepreneurship. And I was reading one of your um, articles about you know, finding the best career and entrepreneurship, and you said, uh, I think the advice was, don't innovate, replicate. Right. And I guess, you know, if if Stanford students were to follow that absolutely verbatim, we wouldn't have things like Yahoo and Google and stuff like that. And I'm wondering, how exactly can you kind of tailor that advice to kind of a Stanford environment um, where we have a lot of people with really big ideas, but you know we don't want them to kind of fall flat on their faces. So um, I guess can, is there a way that you can adapt that kind of adage to um, the Stanford
1: environment? That is a brilliant question. Isn't this so wonderful? I'm talking to a Stanford student. <laughs> I really think it's, from, it, it's in terms of your risk tolerance. The reality is, of course, there wouldn't have been a, a Yahoo or Google, but most people if they really want to be clear-eyed about their career are wise to think probabilistically, statistically. What are the for Every Yahoo and every Google There are 10,000 people who are still waiting tables now because they blew their next three years and every last dollar they had on their cool new innovation, their dot com that bombed. So. Certainly, if you in your heart of hearts think you have the next Google or something like it, and are willing to be extremely focused and use every IQ point that the Stanford grad has, and call in experts because so you don't, you know, even if you're a Stanford grad, you it's a little hubristic to think you've got all the wisdom necessary to be a successful entrepreneur. If you're willing to call in the experts on a consulting basis, if you do really in a clear-eyed way believe you have the next Google, etc., especially when you're young and you're 20 or 25 and don't have a mortgage and kids and private school, certainly it's worth taking the risk, even if you fail, because the lessons learned in entrepreneurship will be transferable to the less risky enterprise you might try later.
2: Okay. Uh,
0: Sam?
3: Uh, Yeah, Marty, I've got a question for you. As a very strong individual person, or just for people who are individually or entrepreneurial uh, oriented, how does one find a job that doesn't sacrifice their personal life, where they don't become a slave to a boss or... Um, a slave to pushing papers how do you avoid falling into that trap and maintaining a sense of personality while balancing that with the career world
1: there are two you know, there's, you know, you cannot ever give generalizations that are always true but there are two categories of businesses that tend to encourage work-life balance one is female-run businesses women generally will are much more interested in work-life balance family, uh, time just to hang out and with friends and, and shop or whatever it is then guys are. guys tend to be more you know hunters and they're just single mindedly focused and they are less relationship centered and so guy run businesses tend to demand more uh, long hours on average that tends to be the, the corporate norm uh the the other the other kind of businesses that tend to be more work life balance related are away from technology Because the product cycle in technology, whether it be biotech or high-tech or whatever, is so short, the competition is so great, especially in the Valley, where you've got all these super smart people willing to work a million hours to get their product to market two weeks earlier, avoiding technology is key. So something that would provide a more humanistic service, a business that provided more humanistic services. Would general or non Well, no, that's not really true because nonprofits—they expect you to work a million hours for the cause.
0: <laughs> so
4: we have, we're running out of
0: Susan. One of the moms has a has a question for you.
4: Hi, Marty. Um- I'm uh, almost 50 and I have—I uh, know a, a bunch of people who have had 25 to 30 year long, very successful careers at the top of their field and now they're kind of looking around and wondering if there's something else they might do, but their resume is so focused and specialized that it may be that they don't look like a good bet for uh, right. a jumper move. What would you say to someone like that?
1: There are three options. One is usually when people want to make a radical career change, The the way in which they do that is through a personal network, somebody from their personal or professional network. Because their resume, as you say, is not going to stand out in the open job market when they're answering an ad on Craigslist. So it's usually only somebody who knows them personally and kind of has an emotional connection to them. It's willing to say, well, even though on paper he or she doesn't look that good, that person, I'm still willing to give that person a chance because he is bright. He is a Stanford-caliber person. And a Stanford-caliber person, I'd rather have a Stanford-caliber person who knows nothing about a subject than somebody with a lot of experience who's a dullard because a smart person and a motivated, driven person can learn any, almost anything very quickly. So number one is that. Number two is to become a consultant. You may have spent your whole career in one career as an employee, but it's really fun for somebody who's looking for something different to use that expertise that you've acquired to consult with a bunch of different organizations in that area of expertise because you're always facing a new problem and you're in and out quickly. The third thing is to become self-employed where, again, you you don't have to convince anybody to hire you. You instantly go from schlepper to CEO in one day. So those are the first thoughts that come to mind.
0: Oh, thank you. We have one last question from Lauren.
5: Hi, Marty. Uh, actually, fellow Napa native here. Uh, quick question. I read one of your columns about uh, you know sort of the plight of young men in our educational right. system, and as they move up into the working world, have right. you seen sort of those 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 trends manifest?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the reality is that that today. Today's workplace is, you know, women like to say, oh, it's still a man's world because they point to the fact that only 11% of Fortune 500 CEOs are women and most senators are women and we haven't had a woman president yet. But if you look beyond that more the more typical workplace, the, it is a very female-centric workplace today. Uh, old you know, traditionally male tendencies, which is to be aggressive, competitive, individualistic, have, are now seen as Neanderthal and macho. Today's workplace is one in which being collaborative, team-oriented, process-oriented, exploring of feelings are critical. And so guys, because those values have, have, in, at Stanford have been incorporated as better than male values, that is now the dominant ethos in, in today's workplace. And so guys, especially if they're aggressive, have a heck of a time, A, getting hired, and B, moving up. And I really have to say, at the risk of being politically incorrect, that the new, girls, the new girls' network is perhaps more exclusionary than even the old boys' network used to be. You'll see book after book, article after article, group after group of women's empowerment, women taking care of women, and in fact, guys are getting shut out.
0: Well, on that note, Marty, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think if you were to go to Google that this macho feeling is still very much in evidence down at uh, in Mountain View at that particular company. But um, on that note, though, we are running out of t- time, and I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and, and talking with us.
1: You're welcome. Ma- Google is not the greatest source of finding where the truth is about uh, what the workplace is like. <laughs>
0: That's probably true.
1: That's, That's on my- Wikipedia? <laughs> 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 I love Wikipedia. <laughs> I, think I think the whole wiki concept is
0: brilliant. I love it. Oh, good. Well, thank you again. Marty Nemco, talk show host, nationally syndicated columnist, and author of Cool Career for Dummies. You can find his book on Amazon.com and at your local bookstore. To read his columns, go to MartyNemco.com. That's spelled N-E-M-K-O. We have to take a short break. When we return, our panel of moms and students will compare notes on career choices. You can join the conversation by calling 650. 650- If you have a question or comment, send us an email at mothers at kzsu.stanford.edu. This is What Would Your Mother Say? And we will be right back. From KZSU at Stanford University, this is What Would Your Mother Say? Hi, I'm your host, Susan Morris. Here in the KZSU studio tonight are Stanford students, Sam, Laura, Ida, Lauren, and Bill, along with mom, Susan Esterly and Lolly Font. If you're just joining us, our topic is Choosing the Right Career. The students at the table include one senior, three juniors, and a graduate student, all of whom are looking ahead at careers. We also have two working moms, both of whom have had long careers. And I'd like to begin with the moms right now and ask you, Susan, now you're a therapist, when you decided on this career, how certain were you that you'd made the right decision? And why did you feel that way?
4: Uh, let's see. Well, first of all, I want you guys to all know that I didn't know that I wanted to go to grad school in clinical psychology until uh, I was out of Stanford for several years. And I just sort of banged, wandered into it by randomly getting a job and enjoying it. And it was in doing research for... Um, Uh, uh, the VA in uh, depression and I thought wow this is kind of cool so just so you guys know I I thought I was going to be an interior decorator honestly when I graduated from Stanford that's what I really wanted to do what did you (laughs) major in? humbio Oh, okay. Interior designer. Well, right. But you know, I I made my specialty sort of include you know the the way spaces impact your you know sense of, of feeling and you know what are, I a mean, touchy, I mean a touchy yes. feely exactly. Interior <laughs> yes, that's the beauty of humbio. But um, so. When did I, did I ever think I was sure it was the right thing? No, because I've always imagined like, you know, parallel lives that had a completely different paths. But this path has been good. And I will say grad school was incredibly hard and demanding, and I could never go through that again. And so I think you've got to be really sure that you want to do grad school if you're going to make it through. Because I would say that it was really hard. It's extremely exhausting. And, you know,
0: even though you're guaranteed no grade lower than a B.
4: No, you're not. I was almost kicked out my first year because I got a B minus in statistics, and you can't pass. You know, you can't make it to the next year unless you bring that grade up. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, well, that's good to know because I think a lot of people might th- here think graduate school is a breeze, sort of.
4: No way. No way. No way. No way. <laughs>
0: way. No way. Oh, no I guess way. you need to go to a different school, <laughs> Laura.
2: Okay. So um, I know this is thinking a lot farther ahead in my future, um, but it's a question that is often on my mind, which is, you know, when is it the right time? to start a family along with your career you know and um i guess from your experience personal experience and maybe from the experience of your friends like i mean is there a perfect age a perfect situation in order to you know start i guess having a two-pronged approach to life
6: (laughs) I'm having that conversation now with my grand, my granddaughters who are graduating from Berkeley and UCLA. And I have another granddaughter at NYU. I have 11 grandchildren. And that really is a question. And that just this weekend we were discussing that.
0: Is there an answer, do you think?
6: I don't think so. I don't think so. I think women today are really wanting to express themselves. And I love that because I didn't have that many choices. And I really wanted to have babies because that was
0: what moms did. Yeah, what women did.
6: Moms what, did that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I went ahead. And, but at the age of 43, I started yoga. And then that was it. I was in love. With what I was doing and I wanted to just pass that on and I don't know which way and my daughters have done
0: the opposite did they have they got into their careers or their loved profession two of them
6: I have uh, two of them uh, did uh, they did different things
3: All right. Well, it seems that both of you are really passionate about what you're doing right now. But I think a lot of the part of the career process is finding out what you don't want to do first. So I was wondering what the path like was before you found your passions.
4: Well, I'll say for me, I mean, for me, getting to, I'm in private practice now, and what I do is I work part-time. I mean, I only work two days a week, right? So I can be super mom. I can, I'm, I'm largely mom, right? So in a, some, sort of answering Laura's question is, there's some careers where you have the option to do that uh, if you're a practitioner of something or a teacher of something. You can pick as many days mm-hmm. as you can to work or not work. Um, but I, before I did that, I worked in uh, drug and alcohol treatment programs, inpatient full-time and you know i did that for a long time i think i did a total of uh, eight years when you were a mom no before i oh, was a mom okay and uh i lived and i worked in the clinics and i worked you know a full-time job and i realized that if for applying my trade which is clinical psychology uh, i wanted to do it um where i had more flexibility and not be stuck working 40 hours a week somewhere
0: well what kind of questions would you suggest that the students ask themselves as they look ahead it, you know what words of wisdom? If you had one nugget to to oh, give, them? I
4: have a nugget. I would say don't follow the dollar as much as you might think you need to, because mm-hmm. people who only are working just to like get the paycheck, I think, are so much less fulfilled and happy than mm-hmm. people who somehow or other balance that, which is legitimate. It's legitimate that you need to earn money with. You know, well, well, how much do you really need, and you, what things you can do that would fulfill that, that would make you happy. Do you think that
0: that uh, money follows if you're happy, if you're
4: doing what you want?
0: Does that make sense, guys? To you all, you, well, if you really Not love what you do, <laughs> you're going to be you're you're going to be successful, and and if you want money, then you'll
4: get it. Well, let's say you really want to be a forest ranger. My guess is a forest ranger, I mean, I suppose you could get that paycheck and then maybe write books to supplement it, but you got to figure you're not going to make half a million a year. But maybe being a forest ranger is the best thing on earth, and you don't need half a million a year.
3: That's Mm -hmm. really funny that you say that. I'm actually becoming a forest ranger (laughs) this summer.
6: And
3: And I'm making $100 a week, but I'm going to love it.
6: Yes. Follow your passion.
3: About $2.30 an hour, but I'm going to be outdoors. <laughs> yes. Working with chainsaws. <laughs> that's,
7: that, I think that's, the thing about following your passion on a pragmatic level is that sometimes your passion just isn't, like you're not good enough at your passion or somehow it's just not going to work out. Because I'm a grad student in the Department of Drama and I meet a lot of students who are budding actors and actresses. And then the um, majority of them actually just are not going to do anything other than wait tables trying to, you know, get an audition somewhere. I've seen, I have friends who are 10 years, they've been, you know, auditioning and sort of have no uh, future there. So I think that sometimes you've got to be pragmatic about it and passion. And this is kind of a question I have for the moms. Um, How much can you how much does a support system, maybe like a husband or something like that, factor into making decisions to work two days a week on stuff like that or making the decision not to choose the financial goldmine of a job?
4: How about a lot? Well, two days a week, the only way is because, yeah, I could not be a single mom on two days a week. That is mm-hmm. for sure. So that is a big thing. But back to the passion thing, I'm a musician too, but there's it's not a career. It is literally my avocation and it's what makes me tick. But it But so... That fulfills me and and makes me so happy, and I do it, I mean, I'm on it more almost than the other, but so... You know,
0: you find a way. Is are you saying then to Ida that, and to the others that y- y- you may not be able to support yourself in something, but you can still find ways of of expressing yourself in that way. You can right. join a community theater, or, exactly. or go on the radio.
4: <laughs> right.
7: I mean, I have friends
4: who were moms and did summer stock all the time, and we're and are always in things, and you
2: know periodically get a a commercial here or there, but you know, that's not their full-time mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So this is Laura, one of the students, um, and I'm a senior, so a lot of my friends are choosing to, you know, with their careers right now, and this kind of falls into, you know, following your passion or more having my friends follow their passion and the career choices that they're making. And sometimes I feel like maybe they may not be making the best choices that might set them up for the future and that kind of thing. So in your experience, how much guidance can you actually give to your friends or should you give to your friends?
0: Lolly, do you have mm-hmm. any... Guidance? If they they ask for it, maybe a lot, but if they don't, maybe not, right?
6: Well, you have to really, uh, you can't, I, I think there has to be some kind of balance. Like, you've got to have some kind of balance. You know, like, yes, you need to make money. Yes, you need to be gainfully employed. However, you also, what's going to sustain you is what your soul wants to uh Realize.
0: What in terms, though, of, of advising friends? I mean, do, for those of you on the panel, I find that unless someone actually says, I really need your advice now on this, it's better to keep your mouth shut. Would How's everyone? La- Lauren, what about you? Have you found that to be true when someone uh, when someone wants to, is thinking of doing something that it's better to keep your mouth shut?
5: I found it, I mean, a lot of times I think it comes down to sort of a more, uh, open, you know, terms of the, the job search, sometimes you need to let people make their own mistakes and a lot of times they'll go out and you need to encourage them to, you know, experience something and then if it's not right for them they need to sort of have the courage to to quit and maybe try something else and that's the, i think it's more valuable than just telling someone they're not going to like it rather than you know they need to have that personal experience
4: yeah i think that's really true because i think sometimes a mistake really helps you know what you don't want to do next and and it's it's all like a path leading to who knows where but there's no wrong turn it's just it's all just different it's not good bad Right or wrong.
0: I, I had a friend who would come up with a new career oh, every six months and then she'd do it. You know, she'd go out and do something, a facsimile of it. And I never asked, well, what happened? I just knew that it hadn't been quite what she had hoped that it, that it would be. Well, research shows that parents have the greatest influence on what a child or a young adult decides to do in their life. Have you found this to be the, uh, that your parents have played a major role or are playing a major role in helping direct your view of what you want to do Ida
7: yeah my parents sort of insisted that I should become an economist and as a result I took economics and math right up until my senior year but on the side I was doing all this drama and I actually ended up doing the exact opposite of what they wanted so in a way they have influenced me because I try to do exactly the opposite of what they want me to do
0: no oh boy Phil <laughs>
8: well my parents have uh, actually tried to push me towards law and towards business uh, my, my father my dad uh, and my mother <laughs> but uh, I actually kind of went the other way and went towards medicine just because you know I, I didn't really want to follow in the same footsteps as them and I had different interests and what was really great is they fostered that and they like they approved of my love for science the whole time and never tried to push me along certain paths.
3: My parents are probably never going to approve of a single career choice that I make. <laughs> my dad's a doctor and told me not to do medicine. He's pushing me towards business. I have spurned business for the National Park Service, an assembly line, an auto shop, a sprinkler maintenance job, <laughs> and ditch digging.
2: Awesome. <laughs>
0: okay.
2: Okay. Laura, um, so your parents told you to... Well, so my, my dad is an experimental <laughs> physicist, and I hated what the job did to him, and he honestly honestly he does photography on the side and wanted me to be a starving artist and this is what he's raised me to do and i was like there's no way that i'm going to go into the sciences i mean like look at him i don't don't want to do that um why because what do you see well i just see he's a slave to his job and it's just so dry and he tried he he tried explaining physics to me when i was growing up it's not something interesting at all but lo and behold i'm a computer scientist now so i just don't really know how that happened (laughs) <laughs>
0: Lauren, what does your dad do?
5: My dad's a recreational therapist uh-huh. uh, and also a social worker. So, what does did, a recreational therapist mean? So he uh, he works with the criminally insane uh, at a large hospital, and so he does things with them that are sort of designed to you know get them to do recreational things. So you know, p- to play different kinds of games, do different activities with each it's other an incredibly to make them hard job. less yes. criminally insane. It's it's extremely hard, and I, I'm sort of uh, yeah, I'm sort of in awe of him when he sort of he comes home and he has these totally crazy stories about different things that happen.
4: Is he at Napa uh, State?
5: Yes. Wow. Um yeah, so he, he has a he has a tough job, but he, he seems to like it. I think you know you can really sort of see where he, he's making progress with certain people.
0: And you're not gonna do that
5: though. I, I don't think I'm <laughs> <laughs> and my mother's a, a middle school teacher and I I don't really see myself going down that road either. And they they've both been very supportive of just sort of, you know, pushing me out into into whatever option I might choose.
0: So in that way I guess your parents are influencing you that you're able to do whatever you want like don't do what we do. Right. But but I'm I'm really astonished at what you're all telling me because we see our parents doing things and you'd think that well you sort of know how to do it maybe because you see them do it and yet none of you have been sucked up into wanting to do this. Well it's
3: cuz you know you see people come home with their soul eaten by their jobs all that stress at the dinner table, you know, throwing plates and all of that.
7: <laughs> I don't know about all that, actually.
3: <laughs> my mom is a modern dancer, though. I don't think there's much of an avenue for me to pursue that, though. I haven't been training for the last 11 years.
8: <laughs> for me, kind of the deal was uh, my parents were always coming home talking about business and, and talking about law, respectively. And, you know, it, that just kind of became the norm. And, like, for me, science was the novelty. It was something out there that I didn't know, and it was something new that wasn't, like, sitting around my house at my dinner table. So going out and finding that kind of, like... invigorated my imagination so they
0: were sick of the law probably and you got sick of it in the process too (laughs) (laughs) okay well that makes good sense well we are going to uh take a short break Uh, uh you're listening to what would your mother say stay tuned don't touch that dial we will be right back From KZSU at Stanford University, this is What Would Your Mother Say? I'm your host, Susan Morris. Here in the KZSU studio tonight are Stanford students, Sam, Laura, Ida, Lauren, and Bill, along with mom, Susan Esterly and Lolly Font. Our topic is reaching out to friends. Right now, the world is in the middle of a technological revolution. In the age of constantly changing instant communication, email has even become outdated. Students, I'm going to turn over part of this discussion to you to tell tell me and the other moms and bring us up to speed on the different ways that you communicate with each other. We know about emails, but I do know that that is much less, um, what, current than it used to be. And I'd like to start off with asking you about text messaging. How does it work? And is it, you do it, I, I do know how it works, but uh, but I'll tell you, I don't do it very often, but I do see people walking around doing it practically with one hand. I, I mean, it's a stop- It's terrible when you're driving. I, I'm sure it's not safe. <laughs> no, yeah. Okay, raise your hands. How many, does, how many of you text message while you're driving a car?
5: Car. I do it. This is great radio. Yeah, but I do too. My hands are raised. For those <laughs> one, of you at home, <laughs> one, two. I don't. It's, it's pretty dangerous. Okay, well, no, but it's it's like, break
2: You, we'll break you. I mean, <laughs> I've
5: mastered the keypad. Yeah, it's, it's like a com- second. You know, you to can me. type on a computer keyboard without looking. You know, you That's can do that on, text. Text. Oh, you on you an, an SMS text. Yeah. But
0: you can't read it with while you're driving. Well,
5: you don't need to read it. You? Yeah. You well, just, I know, but know. when you get the
0: response, and then
5: you look. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a glance. Yeah, it's a glance. There we go. You
0: wait for
3: a red light or something.
0: So you. So how does it work? You use your Cell phone and but what else can you use? Your Blackberry to do it. Is there any other would you explain it to me and the other moms?
3: I mean, it's pretty much the same thing as an email. You get a little message that's you type something to somebody. I don't necessarily think that this is a technological revolution at all. We've pretty much had the same technology since 1995. <laughs> and every time they update the iPod, you know, by changing its shape or making it an inch skinnier, they announce it as some new big revolution. And frankly, sending a written message to somebody has been going on since the telegram. <laughs> just,
7: just a personal okay, well, telegram. Well,
2: maybe, all that you know, said, I think that there's definitely, like, a culture that is... <laughs> (laughs) involved around each of these different forms of technology, you know? Um, Texting, I mean, it can be short, it can be brief, it can be, you know, not answered immediately or not answered at all, and there's like no qualms about it. Um, My friends have even coined this term sexting, which is like, you know, you text the guy that you want to hook up with, you know, to find people at like 11 p.m. on the weekends, kind of texting that boy that they're interested in. Is this like a booty call? Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's a booty text. text It's a booty text. It's a lot less at stake there if they don't respond it's okay you know maybe they're just drunk too
4: (laughs) so is the key the key here that there's less at stake so if someone doesn't respond that hurts less if it's a text than if like you call them up and they kind of go uh or you see them live and they just go uh I mean, is that, definitely. The, yeah. is that the true, you know, heart of the matter? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's we're, we're
5: insulating ourselves emotionally with these texts that are very easy to create and uh, very easy to sort of ignore and you know, deny Bill, their but, significance.
2: But it's still listed on your cell phone. You can read it the next day. Oh, that was really fun, too, when you, you forget Going what through? you've done the night before. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Well, now, Bill, you were saying that people can flirt via these text messages. How does that work? I mean, uh, or am I just pretending to be more naive than I am here?
2: I don't well, know. Well, you
3: can, uh, <laughs> you can use the greater than sign and then the number three as a mark. T-
8: <laughs>
2: oh! Yeah. It's almost like getting flowers, only... You're really, really <laughs> cheap and fast flower delivery.
4: <laughs>
8: yeah. It does help a lot, though. Like, I've got a pretty, pretty good relationship going on, and, I- and we'll text each other, you know, like nine, ten times a day, every day. And it just kind of let- lets us know, that, you know, hey, I'm thinking about you, something like that. And it's a lot nicer than actually having to call them and making time for all that. And you don't know if they're in class, and they can just get a little message in class, which is real nice.
0: This is too sweet. I mean, here I am thinking mm. that you guys aren't romantic, but that's very romantic. But when does it become kind of a burden when you say, I've had a, you know, turn off the text messages, turn
2: off the cell phone ringing.
3: It's well, a burden when it's somebody you don't want to have. Like to right.
8: When it's coming from the parents, it's usually a burden. We get, uh,
2: get texts from your parents? Oh, yeah.
8: it's Because well, that's the whole thing. They used to call me all the time, and I'd say, oh, quit calling me. I'm in the middle of class. So now they text me, can we call, can we call, can we call? Oh, wow. and that's the only time I'll quit checking my phone for a little bit is when I'm getting ever texted yeah. by my mom.
5: Also, man, a, pretty, a pretty smooth move on a date is if you take your phone out and you turn it off and then you put it on the table and and then you're like, well, okay. So like, I'm like off the grid. I want to talk to you, like, only. Girls are
3: like, whoa. i must be really worried? Stuff in here. <laughs> it's true. it's so annoying <laughs> at dinner yeah. time. You get a, like, girls texting on her little phone. I'm just yeah. gonna get up and leave. Go call whoever you have to call. You right. clearly don't want to talk to me. <laughs>
8: <laughs> That's a good point. There's yeah. a lot of etiquette around texting too.
5: Okay, well, give
0: us Yeah, give us. Well, let me give you a, a factoid here. A recent study estimates that U.S. mobile phone subscribers sent 189 billion mobile messages in 2007. The study forecasts 300 billion messages will be sent this. Year. that's a lot of messages tell us about the etiquette
8: well just a little well it's a lot different than a phone call you know you can be having a conversation with someone like face to face and they'll be sitting there texting somebody else at the same time which you would never have if you're on the phone with somebody it seems kind of rude but at the same time like our society is like going to accept it that you know it's not a real conversation just tossing a note
3: at somebody and different messages carry a different sense of immediacy. You know, if it's like, call me now or else dot, 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 I How have your daughter. How many
2: do
3: you get? <laughs> uh, at least three or four a week. <laughs> Another problem is that text messages leave logs and people can see who you've been texting and what you've been texting. So you got to make sure you clear that pretty often. Really <laughs> <What? here. laughs>
8: who were you texting?
3: I, said, I just got a text message from my
5: mother. Hi, Mom. Hi, <laughs> Mom.
0: <laughs> Well, it's, face,
5: it's yeah? an animation of a, a small man oh. clapping actually so this is, this is the new wave in text messaging does she technology. listen to the show oh yeah,
0: yeah. Oh. she's been a fan for a long time well i want to talk to you about facebook and the process of poking now i i've heard uh, there are 172 groups within facebook that are entitled enough with the poking let's just have sex <laughs> <laughs> i mean what is this about do we need to know about poking it does sound oh, sort of i think
7: poking is s- the most ridiculous thing in the World. i mean i just don't i find it as inefficient as text messaging Actually, why don't you just pick up the phone and call and say what you have to say and don't text call me now like you've just wasted 25 cents it just makes no point but I think poking is, is so it serves no function whatsoever. It's ridiculous.
2: So I'm gonna bet on the fact that my friend is not listening to the show right now. Um, he um, w- went to Florence last quarter and actually um, he decided to check out the uh, the gay scene there and you know um, looked at all the, the hot men in Florence and actually poked over two thousand men in the course <laughs> of one day just to say what's up. I'll be in Florence soon. Is it your friend is gay? Yeah. <laughs> What so what came of it? They actually banned him from his poking privileges. <laughs> <laughs> Too much poking. Too much poking. Yeah, but, but, he was but the more... intention definitely was let's meet up. Let's poke I each other. Because right. when you get poked by somebody, you're
5: like, who the hell is this like person? And then you look at them, and then you can sort of become enticed or say no, right? I mean, I guess that's sort of the theory. Well,
4: and let's... now, can you guys define poking? I must. I mean, I'm guessing, <laughs> but I have to admit, I haven't. <laughs>
3: All right, well, there's a little button next to somebody's name, and it says, yeah. poke this person. And when they sign on, you get, like, your name under it. It says, you've been poked by this oh, person. Oh, so and it's you can just like, it means, back. yeah, it's it's literal nothing. It's Got a, it. There's a picture of a finger. It's, a it's yeah. absolutely meaningless. Got it. But okay. if you do it enough, it becomes strangely erotic. <laughs> 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 oh, Got to get the rhythm just, just right. Well, I, <laughs> I want
0: to talk about Skyping, which is placing a phone call over the computer. How does this work? I mean, do you actually hear a voice, and is it kind of like it was in in the movie, what was it? Um, THX
3: 1138? 2001
0: movie. <laughs> we're talking like robots. Oh, it, Hal. Yeah, Hal. Is that the way skyping? No, works? it's actually no, no. It's,
5: just, it's like a real phone conversation. Is and
0: it, it a little slow? Does it have any?
8: It does. It, well, it depends on where, where you're calling to. Yeah. yeah, like my and friend, the speed
3: of your connection too.
8: Yeah, My freshman year, uh, my family was living over in Ireland, and I'd Skype to them back and forth to kind of chat with them. And we did uh, the video Skype, so it'd be like a couple seconds delayed and a little bit choppy. But it it is a great way to, like, um, call long distance for free, because Skype is entirely free.
5: As long as you're calling from
7: computer to computer. uh, And if the other person has Skype, because I I call, like, my parents' cell phones, and my parents live in Uganda, and... uh, and that costs quite a bit actually I don't know yeah. that. <laughs> um, but but if the other person has Skype and is techno- savvy which my parents are not um, then then it's free and it's completely convenient
2: but it is better than buying a phone card to some of these um, foreign countries I had a friend who was in Zambia for you know a good year and it was just like you know what I could you know buy uh, this card through all these various third-party vendors and it just gets kind of messy or I could just give some money to Skype and it's much easier
0: well now listen we have an email here from a listener it says what makes what is it that makes younger the ge- younger generation so free with personal information when the older generation that includes me would never think of revealing such things
5: well, like, and, like what for example
0: uh well i don't say but i think um th- th- there are things on facebook that i think people would the- well
2: my mom's mortified by the fact that my p.o box number is on my facebook profile I, I, Your
0: P.O. box. My P.O. box. That's, yeah. that's, that doesn't seem, I mean, nobody can.
3: Yeah, nobody sends anthrax anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, yes.
9: Nobody
0: can
2: track you down
0: through a P.O. box. Or right? I guess
2: also my phone number. Oh. You know, I, I put my phone number on my Facebook profile. I, you know, because the way it's worked out is if, like, you know, I'm late for a meeting or something or I forget about once, so, you know, people will call me and remind me of it or something. And my mom is just like, y- you do that? What? Why?
0: <laughs> well, now, I have a question talking about self. How do you find out someone's cell phone number?
3: You usually ask them. You're well, no, like, no, 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 yeah. but I
0: know. But if you, I, you know, let's say I didn't know Lauren's cell phone number. How, there's not a yellow uh, white page for cell phone numbers. I think well, there
3: I is. Well, I have a couple drinks at a party and I say, hey, Lauren. <laughs> 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 or we could call a
5: mutual friend and sort of sketch someone's phone number like that.
9: Well, yeah. But, so well,
5: do you have. Like,
9: no, but in the yellow,
0: you can go to whitepages.com and you can get people's telephone numbers out I, I don't
8: know anyone that does that. No, uh, I, I think most people usually just send a message through Facebook saying, like, hey, it was great to see you the other night. Maybe you could send me a phone or something like that. Oh, okay. If you can't meet them face to face. Or
3: I send a, my name and then under my signature, I just have my number. That's how it works pretty well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, I want to remind the, or tell the panel members, you're going to say, oh, God, here comes another old person story. But there used to not be answering machines. So if you were waiting for a guy to call, you couldn't leave your house. <laughs> it's <Ooh>. like, oh, <laughs> that's all right. painful. Yeah, so it was. You'd have to call. Did anybody call? Do <laughs> you remember those days? <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. Well, we we are going to take a short break and coming up is our 60 second story about a mom this is what would your mother say we will be right back this is what would your mother say hi i'm susan morris welcome back to the show this is when we air our 60 second story about a mom today's storyteller is lauren newman His story is called Slight Odds.
9: As my family and I start up the 19,000-foot Mount Kilimanjaro, my mother reads a sign aloud. The mountain is a killer. We wonder who out of our group will make the top. My mother is not young. The guides say her odds of reaching the summit are slight. We walk for days up the side of the mountain. At midnight on the fourth day, guides wake us. It's negative ten degrees black outside. The trail in front of us, vertical. My mother is quiet, tense. I walk ahead and she disappears behind me into the darkness. For hours we trudge upwards on the rocks. The altitude burning our lungs. One by one, climbers collapse by the side of the trail. Dawn breaks as I reach the summit and I can't see my mother. But then below me she appears, her face shining, her steps steady. She looks fierce. Out of our group of 30, only 8 make the summit that morning. No one more determined than my mother. No one prouder than me.
0: Laura Newman is a junior at Stanford majoring in English and political science. He reports that his mom is busy training for her next big climb. We are now going to have our hot seat segment where I am going to ask the students uh, to come up with the best lines that they can. And the moms on the panel, Susan uh, (laughs) Susan and Lolly, will judge which ones they think will do the trick. Okay, which will work the magic if you'd like to join the fun and tell us a winning line, give us a call at six five oh seven two three nine oh one oh okay, here we are. I want you to come up with the real put down or the real pick up line. Uh, whatever works. the first scenario some creep is following you around at a party. It turns out that he's your friend 's brother. What do you get him? What do you say to him to get him to stop following you around?
3: Dude, personal space. If you don't understand <laughs> it, look it up. Go find your brother or something. Go play jacks.
7: Okay. Anyone else? Um, let's say the friend is called Anne. I would say, uh, oh, you're Anne's brother? Oh, my God. I'm related to Anne. Oh, just stop. Wow. <laughs> okay.
2: Oh. okay. One more. I'm just imagining, like, a little brother following me around. It's like, isn't it a little past your bedtime?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moms, what did you think? Uh, Well, it wasn't a huge selection, but I guess i go with the bedtime because it's, you know, it's funny. And the the sister,
0: you think, would still talk to you afterwards, or um, you wouldn't hurt family? Right, yeah, that one,
4: you know, it's a little
6: softer on the friendship. Okay, good. I liked Ada's. I like that softness that she, she has the delivery well we have
0: different ways to go with these Mm -hmm. things you could hear a friend uh, gets mad at you and tells everyone you're selfish ungrateful and unethical what's a good line to say to stop the damage
5: yep
3: (laughs) someone's jealous Okay. I know that you are, but what am I?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
6: well, here's one. These are complicated. (laughs) Here's
0: one that's a little bit complicated. You've got a significant other for the time being. The two of you are out bar hopping. A cute member of the opposite sex is flirty with you. You are kind of interested. What's a good pickup line without getting yourself into too much trouble with your current squeeze? Oh, that's bad
2: news all around. (laughs) I'm sorry.
5: So she's standing, like, right there, and you want to pick up another girl? (laughs)
2: Yes. It, yes. It, yes. the I mean, no. you want to go home with you? the other
8: person
0: like. no 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 god that's the new way no but <laughs> <laughs>
4: the new, new way is the sexting
2: yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, maybe you could send them a text message <laughs> i right would <there. I'd> be <laughs> like uh, I'll be free after
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean, no you could definitely do that no, you <laughs> could I'd leave my name and number on a napkin I'd say hey you know it looks like we've got a lot in common you know we could be really good friends in the future I'd Write my name and number on a napkin, tell them to listen to KZSU 90.1 FM, <laughs> and, you know, tell them to come down to the show sometime, in, I, in a month, usually that's a, as about long the, as I can last with a single person. <laughs>
6: yeah, what is the,
0: the, here's a question for you, what is the average length of a romance these days? I guess it obviously varies, some people go on to marry the, What is it, two.
3: seven minutes? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's about what ours was, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey, okay. Wow, wow. more going on at this table than I realized. Okay, final one. You're at a coffee table. Some cute person is sitting at the table next to you. What is the perfect pickup line? Sam, you must have one in your...
3: Yeah, I mean, I can just (laughs) recite these, like, old pickup lines that have just been said over and over and over I know. I want
0: a new one. I want a fresh one that's going to Uh, work. Yeah, that works.
3: All right. Well, girl... You're like what happens if a tornado goes over a volcano, hits a marshmallow factory becomes a tornado of swirling molten marshmallow lava. <laughs> hits a zoo, unleashes the f- rhino, and sets the rhino on fire. That's what you do to my heart. You're a flaming rhinoceros of smelling oh. campfire marshmallows to my soul.
2: <laughs> I love that smell. Wow. That's
3: right.
8: <laughs>
2: and that works? Bill?
3: I actually don't have one.
8: Here.
0: Oh, come on. No, he's got a girl. He can't tell us about his pickup lines. On.
5: Actually, one of my friend's favorite pickup lines is Hey, can I ask you a quick question? Do you floss before or after you brush? (laughs) And actually, I actually tried this... on some girls in England and they all said, oh, we actually don't floss. In which case,
7: I'm to...
5: and <laughs> I just said, I was like, right all right, right I'll see you all later. Like...
0: <laughs> so that's the line you use when you want to push someone away. It's a filter. It's a filter. It was pretty funny. I don't I thought... floss.
7: <laughs> well, that's a thought. That is a thought. Anybody got, I would just say, look, I find you very, very attractive. And I think being complimented like that is hard to turn down. That takes a Yay.
2: lot of time. Yeah, true. Yeah, Look, Laura? just as a t- kind of tie back to high technology and whatnot. I once this guy tried to pick me up in a, a coffee shop in New York, where he sat down next to me because I was next to a plug, and he's like, "I'm totally out of charge on my cell phone. Can do you mind if I sit here while it charges?" <laughs> <laughs> and then you ended up talking. I mean, I couldn't get him to go away. <laughs> he had to charge his cell phone. Well, now that's not a bad. What do you think of that, Mom? Well, I, don't, I think that's I like pretty that. clever. Uh-huh. It
6: is. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Okay, well, we are going to move now to the emails that we've gotten this past week from listeners and students. Okay, here is the first one. My friend's girlfriend eats so much garlic, you can always tell when she walks into the room. My friend says it's excruciatingly difficult to kiss her. Oh. I bet. <laughs> I don't see a question here, but uh, I think it's, it, it might be. This <laughs> just
9: a statement. <laughs> it's,
3: just a,
0: <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a statement. If there's any yeah. garlic eaters out there, you might
2: want to consider cutting back. <laughs> Before <laughs> I Well,
0: what, what do you say to someone?
3: Any uh, advice? Well, yeah, Any advice? Yeah, you two can just pass uh, certs back and forth.
0: Ooh, certs doesn't Ooh. do it for garlic. Garlic garlic lasts for days. Yeah, it
3: really
5: does. And it's yeah. even
0: on your skin. You sweat yes, it. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. I, what would you say, though, if it were your girlfriend or boyfriend who...
2: Maybe giving some false health facts about how garlic isn't good for your health.
0: <laughs> I guess the question that I have for all of you is, you know, when you're married, you tell your spouse things like, ooh, honey, no more garlic. But when you're not married and your relationship isn't quite, you know... Oh, I do it
7: anyway. I, I, get, I cut right to the point. I'll even say with my friends, like, even if I'm just... I, I could tell anyone right now around <laughs> the table that they sound a little bit garlicky. I mean, not in an insulting way, but I really feel like so many people let their friends, lovers, whoever, wander around the streets stinking of garlic, and it's just kind of an oppressive situation. So I think for the sake of them and... Humanity. I'll, I'll keep it real. So you'd, you'd
4: have a bumper sticker that says, "Friends don't let friends eat garlic." Yeah,
7: <laughs> just tell them to move to Gilroy.
3: They'll be accepted there. Well,
0: seriously though,
4: um, Lauren, Bill, Laura, do you feel comfortable
0: saying that? Would you feel comfortable? I I think that I admire you for being able to do that. Being direct
4: is. The best way, but what do you all think?
8: I'd feel completely comfortable saying that. You would know? you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not me. Yeah, long. me too.
4: Oh, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'd have a, that. Would make me feel yes. uncomfortable.
0: Okay. Well, all right. Here's another question. A girl and I have been together for a month. Is it necessary to define the relationship? No. <laughs> what, what does he
2: mean by been together for a month? <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, uh, you can I, I think that the... really depends on... Well, I what guess that's having... why they're
3: looking for the definition, right?
2: That, yeah, you're asking for the definition right there. Well, I'm just saying, like, What have I they mean, done? Well, yeah. what, what have they done? Like I think that reality. depending <laughs> on what those things are, I think that defines whether or not it is necessary to define the relationship.
5: So if there's or or, or in the text message world, it's called a DTR. Oh. DTR talk. What's that? Define the relationship.
0: Oh.
2: Oh. Oh. oh!
5: So you could say... I don't know if anyone's heard this. This is something... No, well, I say my I, circle of friends. You say, like, so do you want to have like a DTR? And they're like, well, maybe next week. Oh.
2: <laughs> Has that happened to you? No. <laughs>
7: okay.
2: Define the relationship.
5: No, I don't want to define it.
7: <laughs> okay. That's the beginning of the end, really. I mean, when you start trying to define stuff, then you end up living up to the, the label as opposed to just doing what you were doing in the first place anyway. Yeah.
6: That's
0: an interesting yeah, point. Yeah, you really yes. shouldn't need to. And if the parents say, oh, are you and so-and-so going to get married? Are you talking about getting married? What do you, was that a killer? Is that, oh. A mood
7: kill. <laughs> Definitely a mood kill.
6: How
3: to,
0: how to really kill the, the relationship. Okay, here's a serious one. My mother is extremely critical of me. Whenever I say anything, she jumps on me for being critical of her. In the end, it's always about her. I've begun avoiding talking to her which makes her even angrier any suggestions
3: text messaging <laughs> <laughs> you
0: mean stay
9: away
3: <laughs> no, <just> Whoa, <laughs> stay, what do you do
0: when you have a parent who's a looks like a drama queen it is all about her any any suggestions what to do
7: ignore just ignore. Yeah, just
3: don't indulge it. They're looking for the attention, right?
0: Okay. All right. Well, that all sounds so straightforward. I really <laughs> make it sound almost almost easy. All right. Well, here we have
7: one last
0: question. How often do we really have to shower?
7: Every day, please. Every day. <laughs> if it's in the summer, sometimes twice a day. Okay. You can never shower too much. Just go. Just go with that. I totally agree. And also swimming does not count as showering.
0: Do you have to use soap? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I guess, uh, what about changing clothes?
8: Well that that also
5: helps.
3: <laughs> but in addition to the showering, I would say
4: don't put the same underwear on as Yeah. You. yeah.
3: Just swear off underwear, save yourself a laundry bill.
4: <laughs> oh, I, we have a we have a free spirit at the table.
0: I can I can tell. Well, we have run out of time. I want to thank our panel members for coming tonight. It was wonderful having you all here. Tonight's panel included moms, Lolly Font and Susan Esterley and Stanford students, Sam, Lauren, Ida, Laura, and Bill. Thanks for coming on. For the record, the opinions you hear on What Would Your Mother Say don't represent those of KZSU or Stanford University. If you'd like to be on the show, order a CD of tonight's show, or tell a story about your mom, go to our website, whatwouldyourmothersay.com. You can leave a message on the welcome page thanks go tonight to our storyteller Lauren Newman and to our production assistant Roz Gold-Onwudi engineer Jack Wong and KZSU's chief engineer Mark Lawrence and thank you for joining us on What Would Your Mother Say and remember call your mom